And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 275 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, June 10th, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who is definitely invested in AMC, stonks going to the moon, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Did I get that right? Are you are you invested in AMC? I have, actually. I've been an AMC shareholder for a long time, but I never, really? I never anticipated this happening the way it did. Uh, and uh, I don't think anybody has. Well, and, and full think, disclosure, I, think, I did, yeah. I did uh, sell my original investment. And we just I'm just letting the profits run. That's sort of a strategy that I have that has worked well yeah. for me for a long time. You know, just yeah. get out and then basically just let everything run and you, you lose that's it, you the, lose uh, it. Blackjack, you that's the blackjack strategy. That's exactly right. Because it's all gambling. Yeah. You're yeah. just gambling <laughs> away everything. But uh, Did you, you, you learned that strategy, right? The blackjack strategy where you where if you let me see if i get it right if you win the first hand you leave it if you win the second hand you leave it if you win the third hand you leave it and then there's i can't remember if it's after the third hand or the fourth hand you take out everything you won and then you 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 start over basically yeah uh, and if you lose the first hand then the the strategy is you double down on the second hand I have seen that. I have done variations of that. But my strategy when I'm winning, basically what I'll do is I'll add one additional unit each time. So let's say that I'm playing uh, at a $10 table. So and then then, then if I win, I'm adding five to that 15. And then if I get on a winning streak, you know, I could get up to 70 $80 or something like that, hoping that, you know, the the dealer showing six you know six or something like that and i'm you know feeling right. really good about them busting <laughs> so yeah i mean i love i absolutely blackjack is my favorite card game i i absolutely love it i love playing it i love the the options and i can't stand it when you get somebody that doesn't know what they're doing especially at third base <laughs> oh you're is, one of those yeah, especially- you're, you're the you're the guy who gives me the side eye whenever i step up to the blackjack table because i don't know I have very little knowledge of any of this. No, but you're good I about just, it because you'll yeah. ask. You'll say, like, if I'm sitting next to you, let's say we're playing, and you didn't know what to do, and you say, all right, so should I split that or what? And I'll say, no, don't right. split fours. Yeah. Or whatever the case is. Or you'll ask the dealer because we're all there to learn, and you don't want to mess up anybody's uh, hand. But then you get people down there that absolutely don't know what they're doing and love, you know, they'll split tens or, or split fives. And I'm just like, stop. Stop yeah. doing this because you're yeah. messing it up for everyone else. So that's that's, that's right. the only downside that's of Blackjack right. is. And then. Well, I have to tell you, it's, you know, it, it, it really depends on the table. Because if I'm sitting there and I mean, I, and I have I have personally witnessed this where I sit down and you're not there or you know a, a friend is not there and i ask and you get the you know you get the you get the guy usually in some like oversized cowboy hat jeez you know, <laughs> what is this leaving tie, las vegas come you know, on <laughs> yeah like str- you know string tie right you know he's got a string tie on um you know 1985 called and wants their fashion back but but he they they will always roll their eyes at me. You know, they're like, you know, whenever I ask, they're like, oh, you know, you know, get out of here, kid. You know, that kind of thing. I mean, kid, you know, it's definitely not kid now. But um, this was this is yeah. an 80 year old man in a cowboy yeah, exactly. hat, the string tie, yeah, the string tie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I would I would like to go. I would like to go back to Vegas at some point. I I miss I like to go to Vegas every couple years, uh, for of course just. The I don't miss watching. it one little bit. I know bit, you and don't. It's close enough a, to me. You, you've yeah. never liked that stuff, though. I don't. I don't. I don't like Las Vegas. I don't. I've never have liked Las Vegas. It's second only to Florida in terms of my places that I don't like. Well, to at go. least you've got them in the right order. I mean, that's, yeah. that's all I can. <laughs> right, that's all exactly. I can say. But no, who was it that just <laughs> attacked Florida? Who? Who? What politician came out and said? 
Somebody just came out oh, recently. Oh, I didn't hear this. Yeah, no, somebody just came out recently and, and said something horrible against Florida. Like, that's the place where people should not go. I probably shouldn't bring this up because I don't have the detail. Right. This. And all of our Florida listeners now are going, click. <laughs> yeah, I don't I right. don't have it. I wish I had it. See, that's my that's my own problem. But there's somebody that came out and said just this Florida is like the worst place in the world and why would you ever go there? Now I have family there. Yeah. So I got no problem with that. Oh, I have family there too. I so I you know, I don't come to, I don't come to this decision lightly. <laughs> <laughs> You know, this is not something, some capricious idea that I've had never having stepped foot into Florida. I've been to Florida a lot. Hey, and you know, oh, I wasn't even going to bring this up, but you know, I mean, at least we're, we're heading south there. Did you see the news on El Salvador that they're, uh, that Bitcoin is going to become a legal tender, legal currency in the yes, country? That's big I news. I did see that. I, I I think so. I you know it seems to have uh, it seems to have affected the price of of uh, of of Bitcoin a bit. It's gone back. It's headed back in the right direction. I'm well. If you're invested in Bitcoin, yes, it's, it's it, going it's in the right direction. What I like about it is, I mean, I, I think that if you're in a country like the United States, you'll say oh, it's just El Salvador. I mean, it's I think that's the smallest country in in North America in uh, in the Americas, South right? America. Yeah, South America yeah. or Central Central America. America. Yeah. But thank you. What I like geography. Yeah, exactly. We don't know. Siberia is over there. I think. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, is that an island? Um, yeah. But what's interesting is, is that I didn't realize in reading some of the articles on it that I think 70 percent of people who live in El Salvador are unbanked. They don't. Have, they do not have a bank account. So if you think about it from that, this is where something ah, like that's interesting. This is where yeah. something like Bitcoin really comes in handy because you don't have to go and get. You know, all you have to do is have a smartphone. If you have a smartphone, you can get access to a Bitcoin, a wallet of some kind, and then you can do any kind of peer-to-peer transaction. And so what they're going to do, it's so interesting because let's say that you're somebody that sells something at the farmer's market. You're now legally required that you have to take Bitcoin. But what they've done is they've set up a fund. The government set up a fund so that if you want immediate transfer over to the dollar which they're on the the dollar system then you'll get that immediately and the and the government will back you for it so well that's yeah it's really that's really it's really interesting how they're you know they're they're you know taking baby steps into this whole thing but yeah. i what i think you're going to see now is you're going to i don't want to say third world countries i'm just gonna i, I would just say not like the power 20 countries you're going to see other countries that say hey we want to leg up with innovation we want to attract more people here that are building businesses on the back of cryptocurrency um let's let's do the same thing and we want economic empowerment that seems to be the new message of this is economic empowerment and uh i'm i don't know i'm kind of I'm kind of excited about it. It's a heck of a lot better than Elon Musk tweeting something about it that when he doesn't know well, what he's talking about and just sending yeah. the market into turmoil. You know, it's funny that you mention the uh, the bankless idea, and because it, it was something something similar that I learned, um, and it you know it, it just sort of gets you out of your American centric thinking, um, you know, and and your you know sort of I don't know top economy or legacy economy, if you yeah. want to look at it that way, sort of thinking, which is I ended up doing business, um, this was a few years ago in Mexico. And absolutely, by the way, love Mexico City. It's abs- it's one of my favorite places. It's such a cool place. Um, and I was working with this company down there and we were working on their marketing. And as I started to learn more and more about the, the Mexican uh, consumer market, I started to learn how how mobile centric it is. I mean, we think you know we think we are mobile centric here in the U.S. They don't most business or excuse me most consumers don't have desktop computers in Mexico. They're full on mobile, like they're just they they start and end with their smartphone. Mm-hmm. And and so when you think about how you build your website, when you think about how you do your email marketing, you think about how you build your apps and what tools you're using and e-commerce, especially e-commerce, it's all about the mobile phone. It's all about how do you make it accessible on the mobile phone, which is, it, it's, it's a subtle, but a very important shift in thinking in terms of, you know, your American-centric thinking like, you know, 
just about everything they do is based around apps, really. It's oh, not yeah. about building great websites. It's not about, you know, you know, building, you know, content that can be downloaded with a form fill and all that kind of stuff. It's all about how do I make this mobile, you know, mobile uh, applicable? And I, I just think that's when you mentioned the the thing about El Salvador, I thought, ah, it's interesting. We we sort of have to step out of our, you know, our very American centric thinking there and go, right, because that is that is something that's just not, you know, they're skipping a generation, right? They're skip, you know, it's like that old, um, was it Israel or? Or no, it was some. Uh, it was some countries in Africa actually that are just they're skipping over developing landlines. Full stop. They're just not even bothering that's to right. lay down copper Absolutely. copper wire. They're just going right to mobile. everything's mobile phones. And, that's right. Yeah, mobile phones. Yeah, it's and, and and it's just an interesting. It's an interesting time in history to be thinking about stuff like that. It's weird when you. I didn't even know the term, and this is my ignorance. I didn't even hear unbanked before. I didn't know that was a term until the, when when uh, Clubhouse, the social audio app, just took off. You know, I was going into a bunch of rooms and I was going into a few Bitcoin rooms, and there was this room with the Bitcoin and African Americans, and I'm like, okay, well, I want to listen to this. What's going on? Well, I didn't realize. So basically, the number is something like six percent of U.S. households, which is about 14 million American adults, are unbanked, and I'm like, that's a pretty significant number. You know, even yeah, in the United number, States, yeah. right? Well, a far majority of those people are minorities, specifically African Americans. I didn't, I didn't know that. And the guy oh. that was talking is based, and I wish I knew the guy's name because he was on a crusade for this. He said, he said, we don't, re-, you know, he said privileged. I think he said something like privileged Americans or privileged white men don't realize that it is very, very difficult for some people in the United States to, to get a bank account. Is almost impossible, yeah. and that's yeah. what he was saying. With it's like, well, in this case, if that's why he was proponent of, of Bitcoin, because if I can set up somebody, if they have a smartphone, and I can set them with a, up with a wallet, then they can actually do business for their own business or for themselves with just about anybody else out there. And so that's why he was like, I got to get more people to accept Bitcoin or crypto, get more wallets, and of course, now that's what you're seeing in El Salvador right now. So it's just so. Interesting that this uh, narrative of economic empowerment, I think, is starting wow, to that's take hold. Interesting, yeah. yeah, it's a new, it's a new thing because everything in the past month since Elon was talking about this, oh, it's it's a, a, a energy wasting and it's not renewable energy and all this stuff in China and mining and coal with with Bitcoin, and now it seems to be that narrative seems to be moving, and then you've got El Salvador, which I I listened to a podcast this morning about uh, the the president of El Salvador, I think it's president of El Salvador, said that because they've got this volcano renewable energy, which I didn't know was a thing, but right. they have geothermal yep. energy, it's all set up, and they said they are ready to accept Bitcoin miners in that can use 100% renewable energy, it's all set up, come come join us. I'm like, yeah, and, by, and he said- and they're gonna start mining, they're gonna start mining, yeah. And he, and he said, yeah, said said, by the way, I think something like no, no taxes on that. It's something about minimal property taxes and all kinds of other. So he's trying to get. So instead of people in El Salvador immigrating to America, maybe you're going to see Americans immigrating to El Salvador. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Who knew? Well, there's well, yeah, there's some other complications to that whole thing. But we won't bring those up. <laughs> we, won't we won't go need, there. You don't need a bodyguard <laughs> there. You'll be just fine. Just fine. So. <laughs> Uh, that's probably our cue to segue to the yeah, news. Yeah, our morning, I, or our uh, upfronts are, are becoming longer. There's, it's like a show within a show. It's, it is. It's it's a it's an enigma. Who knew we were going to talk about El Salvador today? So there we go. <laughs> no, I yeah. didn't. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, our top story uh, here on the show uh, is, of course, we can't avoid it. It was last week, and it was uh, not terribly well covered, I have to say. I had to actually dig around a little bit. Um, Apple's uh, WWDC, their Worldwide Developers Conference, uh, happened last week. 
And the story that we'll link to in the show notes for sure will be from The Morning Brew, um, which of course is a wonderful newsletter. Uh, and it's basically got all the sort of highlights from the Worldwide Developers Conference. And we'll talk about a few things here because there's a, there's a bit to unpack from all the things that Apple had to say, and especially as it pertains to content, content marketing, content creators, and all those kinds of things. Um, and so the article opens up by saying, so what's new? Uh, Apple's preparing for post-pandemic life with a lot of tools that would have been helpful during the pandemic. Uh, FaceTime updates, so video calls are going to get screen sharing capabilities, integrations with other apps like social media, crisper audio. Users are going to be able to schedule and send links to FaceTime calls, even to their Android friends. Uh, then we've got Focus Tech, uh, which is going to help you stay on task from 9 to 5. We'll let users batch notifications and order them by priority, a focus mode to limit interruptions from non-work-related apps and friends, then the big one, privacy. This is the one that's getting most of the coverage and what we'll certainly talk about. Uh, and the article says, to bolster its reputation as Silicon Valley's privacy leader, Apple is adding on-device speech processing for Siri, extra private browsing on Safari, and the ability to disable tracking pixels in email. Tracking pixels, you say? Yes, Apple users will be able to block tracking by email senders, a change that could mean big disruptions for businesses that depend on email marketing. If a user disables pixels, companies won't even know if their email gets opened. Uh, we're going to, by the way, pair this with a story that comes from The Platformer, uh, which is one of Joe's favorites. Uh, and the headline there is, will the Apple Mail uh, idea and the privacy introduced uh, at WWDC threaten the newsletter boom? That article says, Basically, Apple's many announcements uh, at its WWDC conference uh, really were uh, really centered off of this privacy idea. And the article goes on to talk about uh, mail and privacy um, and some of the issues that are going get, to uh, get set up there. Um, one of the features that isn't as well covered is the hide my email idea where you can actually now send tell Apple to basically create a proxy email for you um, that uh, isn't your real email address, but basically is your quote unquote proxy email address that allows people to send you things via email, but not, uh, but not actually have your actual email address. Anyway, lots to unpack there, Mr. Polizzi. What, did, what do you think about some of this stuff? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, so the, the, the first thing is I didn't realize that when you're looking at smartphone devices, basically 94% of all email goes through Apple in some way. I didn't realize this from the, the data from the two articles. And that's staggering. That's too much control for one company. That's why I get worried about Google. And I don't want company. I don't like uh, the whole antitrust thing. I don't want companies to get broken up for the most part. But in this case, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a monopoly, kind of like Google has a monopoly on search. It, it's, it is concerning. But that said, I do agree with Apple's move. This is very much in-brand because they are becoming the brand that's uh, for privacy and privacy protection. But the other thing is um, I think this is the right move to make to give people the choice of, of opting out. Now, it also might be very self-serving for Apple because they want to say, as you said before, they want to send people through more apps. And if you have to do that, but let's let's really look at what who this hurts. And on the face of it, you might think that this will hurt all email newsletters. When you think email, you think email marketing, and then all email newsletters, because an email newsletter generally measures itself by its open rate. And if you're not able to track it with what the the one article calls a spy pixel, which if you don't know. Every email, if you go through an email marketing service, they put a little pixel in the email so that when uh, the email is opened, that gets pinged, and then you can check the open rate. Sometimes that you know you have to have display images if you don't have that on because it is a little image. So you get your open rate, and then you know whether you're doing well or not. But I don't think this. I want to get your take on this, Robert. I don't think this is next necessarily going to help those email newsletters like the Substack crowd that are trying to build a long-term relationship. I think you can measure that a lot of different ways. Maybe click-through becomes more important because then they're actually taking a behavior and you can measure that. It's not just an open. 
But I think where it really hurts is again we're seeing this uh, this thing, this movement against advertising, and I think that's where it's going to hurt advertising, e-commerce, and and then then people can't look at uh, retargeting against that pixel open if you are a retailer and you're trying to. Um, you know, oh, somebody opened it. Okay, great. I got that. I know they opened it. Now I can send them this or I can track them this way. And we've seen that happen over the past year or two. I think that's going to be a real ongoing issue for advertisers in e-commerce. But I think for people that want to build a long-term audience, maybe it makes no impact at all. I mean, what do you think? You know, I have, a, I have, like you, I have many thoughts here. Um, by the way, as you were talking, I went through and looked at that 90, because that 94% number doesn't sit well with me at all. Um, is that right? And I don't, it's not right. Um, it says, it, it, this is litmus? It, it, I clicked through to that study. Um, it, it's a very weird, I'm going to have to dig deeper here because Why it's don't a very you go weird through the stu- study. It's important because I just threw out that number, but go through that information so people know what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so, so basically it says the top 10 email clients overall. Top 10 email clients overall are Apple iPhone, 47%. Gmail, 18%, Apple Mail, 13%, 9% for Outlook, Yahoo Mail, 5.7%, um, and then Google Android, iPad, Outlook.com, Samsung. I, I don't understand the difference between, I guess, Apple iPhone, the mail program is not considered Apple Mail on the iPhone? Well, I don't know. Is I, I have, yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I, I use Gmail. As my as right. all my so email, you, you but I open iPhone, it with right. an iPhone or an iPad. That's right. Same here. I, I I don't use Gmail. I use Outlook actually. So I use Outlook on the iPhone, which I guessing I would be on the Outlook uh, percentage there. Anyway, I don't know where they're getting the ninety four percent number. But let's just okay. Um, so what do we know from this? We know that they are they have the most. Right, whichever way you yeah, look. Yeah, they at. have the most. They have the most. They have they are the they dominant have the player. Um, that is correct. And so, so going back to your, uh, uh, your original you know, idea, what you were talking about, uh, opens has always been a horrible metric. It's, it's, you know, since, the, since the advent of the pain, um, and what I mean, I don't mean pain like as in physical pain, I mean pain as in window pain, um, where you sort of, you know, your, your email opens up as you click on it, you know, on, mm-hmm. the, on the left-hand yeah. side with your, with your pain. Open that because that's an open that, you know, it doesn't mean I read it. It just means that, you know, I, I clicked on it and made it go from red to unread or unread to red. And so that's always not been a great. Well, it, uh, and it goes the other way too. overinflated. It, go, it, it, it goes does. the other way, too, because I can open an email and not have display images on and it's not going to show as an open. That's correct. That is also correct. So it's it's always been a very flawed metric anyway um, for email marketing. Um, you know, uh, you know, basically uh, click throughs to whatever you're whatever you're actually putting into that email has always been a much better tracker of how much your email is actually engaging someone or basically looking at your total reach. Right, your total reach number is you know now. As a trending number, as a trending sort of look, um, in, st- in terms of like if my open rates go from you know thirty five, forty percent, you know, which is you know a good open rate on on something like a B two B email, and it trends staggeringly quickly down, I know something's wrong, right? You know, because it's an order of magnitude difference, and something probably happened. So very much like visits on a website. I can use it as sort of a, a temperature gauge just to see if I'm doing well, but it's not a great metric anyway. And much like when Google sort of removed the ability for us to see a lot of the keywords uh, and some, you know, and obfuscated a lot of the, the the information that we got from, you know, from privacy and browsers, um, I don't know, 10 years ago or, you know, I, I, this is the similar move. So I, that bothers me not at all when I, when I look at this, this kind of thing. The other thing is, and I got actually a couple of questions about this through uh, through social media, which is this ability for you to now obfuscate your email address with vendors to be able to say, hey, I'm going to subscribe to this newsletter. And I actually tried it, and it works brilliantly, where you, you subscribe through your Apple phone, 
and you can basically say, yeah, give them another email address. And they and when I read into it, because I went in and looked at the details, um, basically what the vendor gets, what this, the publisher gets, is an email address that looks something like, you know, 105737777, you know, basically some random hash number at iCloud.com, right? And the question to me was, is that bad for marketing? And I think if you're on the up and up, no, it's not bad, actually. It's still a unique identifier. And that's all you're really looking for with email addresses. You have the ability to reach them when you want to. You have to keep them engaged so they don't unsubscribe. You kind of don't care if it's 1777 at iCloud.com versus Bob at gmail.com. You, you kind of don't care. What does it become? A, it's it's um, a catch-all address then? I mean, how it, does it filter more? It's, no, it's unique. It's actually, it's actually the nice thing for marketers, and, and, and if you start looking at it this way, the nice thing about this is, no, it's unique to you. In, in other words, it's unique per uh, vendor. In other words, it's unique to the actual um, Okay. Uh, relationship that you have with that with that customer. So every time you do that, you're generating a new email. Got and if you it. unsubscribe, okay. it basically makes the email address undeliverable. Okay, so basically, I, that's where I didn't get it. I thought it, it was creating a proxy, one proxy email for every time. No, you said, I thought so that it's too. A, yeah, yeah, so it's a too. brand new email. So if I sign up with ten, 10 different email newsletters or 10 di- different providers, I, I got 10 different email addresses that ultimately will feed to my one primary key address. Gmail address or whatever, right? That's what you're talking about. I got that's ten right. iCloud. Okay, so that's interesting. Yeah. So, so now that's only iPhone members. Obviously, that's only iPhone people. You know, there there are going to be the only people to do that, unless Google. <laughs> I'm sure they'll play nice. I, I'm, gi- I'm yeah, sure I'm giggling as I say this. You know, I'm sure Google's not going to do this, but you know, Google could do something very similar with their Gmail uh, service as well. So, I, I actually, I think. It's a. I think this is all relatively either non-news or good news, quite frankly, for email newsletter makers. Um, you know, because what it does is that it really rewards good behavior. Um, you know, because you still can reach your audience. Uh, you st- you make it t- so much easier for them to subscribe because all I have to do is literally just double click and say, "Yep, sign in with Apple." Boom, there I go. I'm in makes it so much less of a hassle to type in your email address and do this kind of thing to subscribe to your newsletter. And if you're a good behavior, you know, uh, marketer, you know, you have a unique identifier that's unique to the relationship you have with that customer. And so it's kind of, it's kind of neat. Um, you know, now what do you lose? Well, you lose some of the ability to, uh, you know, to do things like retarget based on email address. Um, so in other words, uploading that email to LinkedIn or Facebook and doing retargeting advertising is probably not going to work as well because I don't think it's, it associates that email address with your, uh, cookies or yeah, exactly. So it to, won't be retargeted. So you're yeah. not, you're going to lose some of that for sure. But I think, you know, it's, it's overall, uh, it's not, it's not horrible news for marketers at all. I no, I, I agree with you. I think that if you were focused on building a long-term relationship and your quality content and it's not sales and marketing email, I think you're going to be just fine. There's, there's small things that affect us. So, you know, what we, we, we do every, um, issue of the tilts newsletter is we'll send out a issue a couple hours before seven to a handful of our subscribers and we check titles and we see which or which headline opens better and then whatever one wins off of that one that's the one that goes at seven in the morning because we want to make sure we get the most engagement this is not a new thing a lot of people use it morning brew does that all that kind of stuff but if you if you can't rely on the open rate anymore you just got to get it right the first time then right you just got to make sure you have a good headline because open rate's not going to tell you anything unless nobody opts into it which it sounds like more people will opt into something like this. It, even looking at yeah, I, it, the one article has a good graphic of how it looks when you want to opt in, and it's pretty much like, oh yeah, I don't want to receive any more spam. Sure, I I want to opt into this program. Well, it's, you know, and this affects you know. The, to be clear, I, you know, this affects the B two C marketing much much more, much, yes. much heavier than it does B two B because B two B you're still typically signing up with your corporate address. 
um, and filling, you know, if you're signing up for a webinar, if you're signing up for those kinds of things, you're still mostly, and and again, here comes back to our sort of American centric idea here. Um, you know, you're still mostly sitting at a laptop or a computer and signing up for those things on your, you know, on your desktop or your laptop and you're typing, you know, in your corporate email address. But I think there's an interesting thing here, an opportunity, if you will, uh, for some interesting experiments and integrations, right? Where I haven't seen yet, you know, I have seen sign in with LinkedIn, which I think is fascinating, you know, where you can like register for a conference and basically just use your information from your mm-hmm. LinkedIn profile um, and, and those kinds of things. What I haven't seen yet is a B2B conference, say, sign in with Apple uh, and you know, and make a quote unquote e-commerce, you know, for example, I just bought a shirt. Um, first time I ever bought a shirt, by the way, from a TikTok video, which was its own story, but um, saw this cool thing on TikTok and it was like, you know, click here, go to the website. Uh, I was like, yeah, that's fascinating. I, I like that shirt. So I clicked through, um, go through, look at the shirt and I'm like, I'm going to buy that. Of course, you can just go doot, doot, you know, with your Apple Pay and you know, which is a crime in itself. How easy it, makes it is. So, it's so, oh, easy. so easy to do. Yeah. And I looked at that and I went, oh, that's, that's fast. Now, what I don't know, and I would love, you know, an education on this from e-commerce vendors is what, inf- when I buy my, when I buy that shirt and I go click, click, and I go into my, you know, my Apple and it says here, ship it here. And, you know, here's your name and here's your address and all, you know, which all of which you need to be able to process everything how much of that information does the vent does the store get agreed you know because that would be a really interesting b2b transaction for let's say a white paper right it's a zero dollar charge but you treat it like an e-commerce transaction where you literally go you know and you quote unquote buy it with apple pay how much of that information would the vendor get i think it's a it's an interesting idea. I don't, you know, I have no idea if I'm talking out of my butt or what, but you know, it's, it's, to me, it's, 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 it would be really interesting to test that. Yeah. I want to know, I would like to know that too, because as wonderful as Apple tries to present themselves in terms of privacy and information collection and dissemination, I just don't just, <laughs> there's something not right there. I don't think they're oh, they're God. not pure. Oh, I, know. I, I have yeah. arguments don't with my son all yeah. the time. He thinks, "Oh no no, Apple's it. They're out for the best of the consumer." I'm like, "Yeah yeah, they are sure." <laughs> yeah. You just yeah you yeah. keep you keep living in your own little world. Yeah. That's that when one. you pull out the pack of cigarettes and you go, "Sit down, me tell you. I'm going to tell you a tell story. Story, <laughs> sweetheart. Story about Google. <laughs> How they were going to do no evil. Oh, well, that was <laughs> yeah. uh, that was Google." Google's yeah no that's what yeah. I mean that's, let me oh, tell yeah, you so the let me, you know yeah. we remember back in the day when we were all a flutter about Google's giving us free email and they're giving us free this and they're giving us free that and a free calendar and a free spreadsheet and a free PowerPoint and a free they're giving us all this stuff for free and it's like uh huh do you yeah. think you know yeah, how it, I'm yeah. sure there's places around the Google campus where it says do no evil do you think somebody just crossed out no and it's just do evil. <laughs> they, <laughs> that's what we do now. We're in the evil business. Can you, can you do? Can you? Can you do that laugh for me again? Because that was pretty. <laughs> uh, our our apologies right. to our Google subscribers. We love you too, but <laughs> yeah. Well, they have not done themselves any favors exactly. recently. That's right. for sure. What do we got next? This episode of This Old Marketing is sponsored by Marcom Gather. You know, there is nothing worse than wasting countless hours looking for digital files on your intranet, shared drive, desktop, cloud storage, or Excel files. The list goes on, right? Say goodbye to the days of overflowing, unorganized file storage, and hello to finding files with speed and clarity. Marcom Gather, your new favorite digital asset management solution, empowers your team to stay organized so you can get back to the parts of your job you enjoy. With Marcom Gather, you can quickly centralize assets, eliminate unorganized file storage, and best of all, never lose track of your files again. Experience Marcom Gather for free for 30 days at marcom.com slash 
T-O-M. That's for This Old Marketing. And make sure you go there because we want them to love us. Marcom.com slash T-O-M and get Marcom Gather free for 30 days. All right. Well, speaking of Google and Apple, uh, we should move on to our friends at Facebook because this segues really nicely. A news item that came out this week uh, in uh, Vox.com. And the headline here is, uh, Why You Can't Write for Bulletin, Facebook's New Substack Clone. Um, it would have just been, the headline would have been just, just tweaked a little bit. It would have been so much better. Like, you're not allowed to write for Bulletin, uh, says Facebook, uh, the new Substack Clone. Anyway, the article opens up by saying, Facebook wants to launch its newsletter product later this month, but it doesn't want controversial writers using it just the ones it's recruiting. Uh, The article then goes on to say Substack made email newsletters buzzy and controversial. Then Twitter bought Substack competitor and launched its own version. Now it's Facebook's turn. The social network is prepping its take on subscription newsletters with something it's calling Bulletin. It's aiming for a launch at the end of June. Like its competitors, Bulletin is a simple proposition. Find a writer you like who covers something you're interested in, sign up, and receive a regular stream of content in your inbox. Some version of it will be free, and there will also be a paid option at some point. And the Facebook twist is, specifically, Facebook's massive reach with 2.85 billion users worldwide and its ability to target and segment people who might be receptive to reading and paying for a newsletter that covers topics they're interested in. The article goes on to explain a little bit more about it, but basically saying Bulletin is for now uh, an attempt to prove that people want to read stuff they don't or can't find on Facebook, and at launch, Bulletin will be limited to a few dozen writers on Facebook whom they are recruiting and paying. Uh, and uh, and then the the Vox article very nicely in parentheses puts we stopped debating whether Facebook is a media company a long time ago. But just in case you were wondering, hiring journalists to write news is kind of something a media company does. So, um, which I yeah, appreciated. Exactly. Anyway, what do you think about this, Mister Mister Newsletter yourself? Well, you, it's first of all how quickly these companies are duplicating products coming out. You know, we talk about oh my you know, Clubhouse That's was crazy. out, yeah. and then Twitter's got one, and LinkedIn's coming out with one, and Facebook is launching one, and now you got you got the Substack, and there's all kinds of Substack clones. You got review from Twitter, and you got this from Facebook. It's just ridiculous. It just reminds me because I talked about this in my uh, newsletter last week. About I mean, you and I both know Don Schultz, and we loved his work as as the father of integrated marketing. And he always said, everything you do, every your product can always be duplicated. The only thing they can't is how you communicate. And I just love that. And I always I just thought about this when this came by because all this is just it's just du- sheer duplication. It's like oh, Facebook. It's almost like. Facebook doesn't have to create any new products. They just wait until somebody creates something that's interesting, and then they go launch it and duplicate it. But they try to one-up it. So in this case, Facebook's not going to – they're going to obviously advertise against it, uh, even though they – you know, they I didn't really they, – they spent $6 million for Bulletin.com. So that they could, so they could sort of right. brand it as separate because they don't want to look so evil because everyone thinks Facebook is is the real evil one here. It's like, oh, we'll put it on, we'll we'll brand it with this sub brand bulletin. We'll go forward. Again, I think this is great for creators. There might be a first mover advantage for some creators to get on on the platform, kind of like there was with Clubhouse. The same thing as Substack. You know, if you're the first one there, you're making some hay. You build some audience. Looks like they're cutting two-year deals, maybe some revenue up front, and with Substack Pro, Substack Pro's been doing that for a while. They'll give you sort of an advance on it. But I think, long story short, this comes back to the conversation we've had many times on this podcast about we thought that Facebook was going to buy a set of media properties or a media company or multiple media companies until they got in the whole antitrust mess, which then they can't do that or they don't feel they can do that so this is the next best thing where they can just try to recruit really good talent oh these are individual content creators this is not part of facebook's media properties and they can get away with it so there you well go. it's a great point and let's be super clear this is not a Substack competitor in the sense that you'll be able to understand the email addresses exactly of the subscriber yes. list. 
you're going to be you're going to be using a Facebook interface to create your newsletter and send it to you know quote unquote publish or send. And Facebook will be kind enough to manage all those email addresses for you and give you the analytics on the open rates and give you the analytics on unsubscribe and give you the all of the measurement that will be good, question mark, uh, accurate, question mark, uh, fed with an algorithm, question mark. So don't mistake <laughs> this for the same kind of thing as a Substack or uh, what's the one you use that's really good? Um, uh, uh, con- convert, convert kit. kit. You know, well, that's or, the email marketing service. Yeah. The ones that sort of come with the try to come with the audience or tell you is Substack, and then you got Twitter's review that they're launching right. as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. You know. So you know, there's. I mean, there's 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 sort of it's a spectrum, right? You've got your email tools that don't come with an audience that, that people you know subscribe to that are literally just send your email to your list. And then you've got sort of the middle of the road. Uh, basically, um, you know, the middle of the road is the you know sort of what you're on, the sort of where there's an audience and a tool. And then you've got like this Facebook thing, which is pure. You know, you're you're just taking advantage of your people are on Facebook. So. I have two two things. One, so you're saying, and I didn't catch it in this article. Maybe I missed it. They do you do you know if you get access to the email subs? Or you think Facebook does not allow you to port those out? I'm going to almost guarantee you. So we don't. You don't know, but we use that. Yeah. You think that they won't? I I can't imagine that they're going to allow that. All right. So the so that's the one thing, and the second thing is, and this is just a running pet peeve that I have. So this is this is the last paragraph of this article from RecodeVox. It says, and if Bulletin right. and Substack and other versions of newsletters run by individuals or small groups of writers takes off and sticks around, it will give journalists another way to make a living. I know that's supposed to be a positive, but I hate that. I hate that we're like, oh, good. Any way that journalists can scrape by in the creator economy and make a living is a good thing. And I want to see journalists build stuff. Oh, and that this is where we talk about the the creator gig economy or side gig, if you want to, that basically doesn't help the content creator, it helps the platform. This is exactly what helps the platform. This is going to be great for Facebook. It's going to be good for a few journalists. And it's going to be, I'm just trying to get by for the rest of them. I would rather you just go to a yeah. separate email marketing service and build your own thing. So, okay, off my That's off right. my soapbox. I just can't, yeah. st- I can't, I can't stand all the platforms out there that say they're so pro-creator when they're pro their business model they know it's good for business right now that's why they're doing it which is fine i that's get right. that but don't don't come across it oh we've been facebook we've been pro creator our <laughs> our entire uh existence while they've been basically you know, sucking the soul out of the you know creative <laughs> group for how long just because they know that they have to live on content and they have to live on those engagements and they'll advertise around them so I just I got a problem yeah. with it, especially yeah. when when it comes from Facebook. Yeah, yeah, that's you know that's it's uh, if you're but let's I mean, buy Facebook stock. More needs yeah, to be let's said. go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they'll exactly. just completely dominate exactly. everything. So what a great model and monopoly <laughs> that is. So okay, there it is. There it is. All right. Well, we wouldn't be complete in talking about our little family of social media companies without introducing something from our friends at Twitter. And so uh, the last story that we're going to cover here is, of course, a launch. As we've been talking about the last few weeks, it seems every week Twitter seems to launch something new. Uh, and, um, you know, as is uh, current for June with a June bride, um, something old, something new. And, of course, now introduces Twitter Blue. Uh, that should have been the headline, but it's not um, from Twitter. <laughs> you um, should just be in the headline business, man. I should yeah. be. Absolutely. Uh, introducing Twitter Blue, Twitter's first ever subscription offering, says a blog post that we'll link to on Twitter.com. Uh, the, the blog post opens up uh, by uh, saying, we've heard from the people that use Twitter a lot, and we mean a lot, that we don't always build power features that meets their needs. Well, that's about to change. We took this feedback to heart and are developing and iterating upon a solution that will give the people who use Twitter the most what the most what they are looking for. 
it's, somebody didn't proofread this. Uh, access to this is Twitter too. Perks <laughs> from Twitter. That will take their experience <laughs> on Twitter to the next level. I, I know, need to no, know. This, twi- this article needs Twitter blue so they can edit it. <laughs> that is correct. That's exactly right. So the article goes on to explore some of the features that will be available in the wonderful new subscription service. Uh, and they're offering up bookmark folders. Uh, where you can organize your favorite Twitter content. It's going to be really hard for me not to laugh at this. Uh, The undo tweet, typo, forget to tag somebody, preview and revise your tweet before it goes live. With undo tweet, you can set a customizable timer of up to 30 seconds. No way, 30 seconds? Undo. Bob, 30 seconds? Before before the tweet, reply, or thread you sent post to your timeline. Correct mistakes easily and previewing what your tweet will look like before the world can see it. Then we've got uh, reader mode, which provides a more beautiful reading experience for Twitter, getting rid of all the noise. Uh, I wonder if the noise is ads there, but um, Hmm. maybe not. Uh, And then subscribers will also, they finish up by saying, get access to perks such as customizable app icons uh, for their device's home screen, fun color themes for their Twitter app, and will have access to dedicated subscriber customer support. Uh, Okay. Well, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, what do yeah. you think? I mean, oh, I should mention that the uh, the subscribe is not, not available to any of us, including me at the moment. Um, but it will uh, only be available to uh, Canadians and Australians. Um, I, I'm so fascinated by that meeting where they went. It's Canada and Australia. That's where we're going to roll this out. Um, <laughs> it's three dollars and forty nine uh, Canadian or four dollars and forty nine Australian. Uh, check your various uh, transaction fees there. Um, and they're going to be listening for feedback before they roll it out to the rest of the world. So is this something you're going to be signing up for, Mr. Polizzi? Or will you get it for free since you're no, no, already no, no, so no. special? Stop it. Stop it. Just because I have a verified <laughs> blue check mark and you don't, we shouldn't bring this up in this discussion. This is, it's, a non, I see. it's a non-issue. I see. Yeah, Here, yeah. Okay. How many... It must be something like eight episodes in a row we've talked about some new possible launch from Twitter. And there's been a lot of really good ones. Like we talked about the the Twitter super follows, which I think is just something. I mean, that's going to be a thing. We talked about the possible subscription plans for people that have a lot of followers um, that Twitter could really generate some money. I mean, they really came out with the product development stuff over the last six months. And they lead with this one? Like, I didn't know, like, I was trying to figure, is it Twitter blue? Is it Twitter do nothing? Is it Twitter do do? Or is it Twitter poo poo? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't know which one it is. Uh, So that's all I'm saying. This, and I know they show the tweets in this article. So if you go to this article, folks, you'll see that they get people. Oh my gosh, I, I really would like bookmarks. I don't, I don't know anybody that was really... Yeah, said no one ever. Is that a thing right. that people uh, yeah. really want yeah. bookmarks or, or okay? First of all, I I know I've sent out tweets that I've had to delete before because there's been a spelling issue or I didn't tag somebody and I just redo it. No big deal. But I don't even think thirty seconds is enough time. Oh, and I'm 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 on a countdown to get it, and I gotta pay. I don't. I just don't. I don't understand the fascination with this and why this one was first. So, why these features? I mean, they're. I mean, I get that they're easy. They're they're easy features to 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 roll out. You know, developing a new interface, the bookmark thing, uh, and the undo thing are all very simple features to add. Um, but they're not the kinds of things that make you want to uh, subscribe. Not make don't make me want to subscribe. You know, maybe it's just us. Maybe so, we, maybe we're too myopic here, and and we're just in our own world. Well, that's that's <laughs> true. That's true. Full <laughs> stop. I mean, that's that's we don't know, understand that you know. that these are very critical features. These are life or death issues for some people, and thank goodness that Twitter has come out with yeah. Twitter poo poo. You know what? You know what? You know what could have been just so much easier that I totally would have paid for, it, and 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 something that you know, quite frankly, would have been so easy for them to do through 
how I, mean, I, I, I guarantee you they have this data, just building an interface for it would have been, would have been the easiest thing is give me analytics. Give me, give me, give me analytics. That's, that's but what I want. you have it. We, right? You already I mean, have I ha- analytics. Well, I have it through, I have it through my, my, uh, you know, the, 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 the tools that I use. No, I, right. I, I have you it. You can go and you can go on your tweet right now. And when you go all the way to the right of your tweet, there's a little, there's these little bars and you click on those and it will tell you what kind of organic reach you had. Click throughs, open profiles, clicks, clicks to profiles. Oh no no I want I want deeper you want analytics deeper analytics yeah I, 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 yeah 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 I want I want individuals and oh I want, yes you, know, you don't my, yes you I know. see what you you want you want real analytics you don't want vanity <laughs> right, analytics exactly that's right I want the I want real stuff right you know so those are the I, I, that would have been worth that paying, would absolutely you know, know what five if you're bucks a, marker, a month especially right. can you imagine how exactly. many they would they oh my would pay gosh hundreds of dollars a month. If you knew which person, and then you could take, and if you again, we're talking about privacy issues. But if you could port open rates, uh, you know, engagement on Twitter in with your marketing automation system, that would be fairly valuable oh. to do that. Oh, it's. I mean, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, you can do some of this now, right? Where you can, you know, use some of the data gleaned from uh, Twitter to trigger emails, for example, right? You know, but how cool would it be for them to build in tools to say things like, you know, use this hashtag, uh, anybody who uses this this hashtag, basically uh, associate their, you know, and again, you could obfuscate the email just like Apple does, right? What, just like we talked about, but basically give us the ability to send, to trigger an email to that person. You know, now I know I, I I already hear the the sort of you know the roar from the crowd saying that's you know privacy and all that. yeah absolutely right, but making Twitter more of a platform like that would be you know uh, you know because by the way we can do this with you know we can do this with LinkedIn at the moment um, we can you know we can we can do direct mails, you know, and some people have complained that LinkedIn is basically just a spam fest now, like the inbox is completely broken on LinkedIn. I don't disagree with yeah. that, but you know, these are the things as a marketer that I would that I would want to pay for, right? As a, you know, as someone and by the way, as someone who's not marketing for a giant corporation, but rather, you know, marketing for myself. Right, I'm I, I'm not that interested in the email thing myself, but I am interested in the deeper analytics of who my audience is. Right, I want to know who they are. Right, in detail, not just male versus female, and that's simple stuff. I I want to know. I want to know. I want to really get a good sense of my persona of who you, I'm you could, who uh, I'm talking you, to. Could that, you imagine the especially with the ones that you engage with online and who retweets your stuff? The kind of data you could get. I'm totally I'm totally oh. in that camp now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, not not the not the Twitter poo, not the Twitter blue poo. Is it? Oh, is it, is it right. Twitter blue? I thought it was yeah, Twitter it poo. Twitter blue. Something old, something Twitter, new, something yeah. Twitter, okay. something blue. Thank you. Yes. Good. There we go. Uh, it is now time, folks, for your favorite part of the show. It is our rants and rave section, where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like we've invested in AMC or something that makes us feel like we're watching our GME stock tank um what do you got what do you get do i'll you go, go first, I'll go first. Go mine's first? very very briefly because yeah, i yeah. think you and i can have a better conversation over yours because we were talking about it beforehand okay. i just this yeah, just came right. over uh to let's see where is this the 10th we're recording this this is on the 9th um it says facebook this is from the verge or the verge depending on where you're from facebook plans for <laughs> <laughs> first <laughs> facebook plan <laughs> Sorry. They, you know what I thought of? You know what I thought of? I thought of the Beverly Hills Cop. Do you remember yeah, Beverly Hills what Cop? Part? Well, I'm forgetting the actors. I'm forgetting oh, the a- actor's name. But Serge. Yeah, Serge. And, and, and Eddie Murphy Serge. walks in and goes, oh, hi, Serge. And he's it's like, Serge. Serge. That was Balky. That <laughs> character, yeah, that was yeah. Balky from, Bal- uh, yeah, exactly. what was that show? Uh, man, we're uh, bu- not, not Buzzing Buzz Buddies. 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 Um, that was Tom Hanks. Uh, but anyways... Um, I'll I'll think of it. I'll think of it while you're talking. Same kind of thing. Uh, Facebook plans first smartwatch for next summer with two, not one, but two cameras. And they're going to kick in a heart rate monitor. 
Uh, it's it basically says it's a detachable display with cameras for capturing video without your phone. And I don't think this is going to work. I don't know if this is a rant or not. But what you've seen Facebook try to do oh, with their launch of Portal, which is the one if you've seen any of the commercials where you usually have people cooking or in the kitchen and they're talking to people and whatever. That's Facebook's Portal. It hasn't really taken off very well. The sales have been lackluster at best. And Facebook is really trying to get into the hardware device business because if you look at who controls the device business, they also control the app business. And who are those companies? We just talked about them. Google owns the Android stuff. And then Apple owns all the iOS stuff. Those are the two companies. And Facebook is basically at the whim of both of those companies unless they offer some kind of of a device. So they're saying, okay, well, Portal didn't make it, so let's try a phone. You think the phone's going to do it, and I think this is not going to work. And my prediction is that uh, it it won't take off simply because you've seen Apple, and I'd love to get your take on this, Robert. I think you've seen Apple iWatch take off because of the fact that it is connected to the smartphone and the smartphone the iPhone is everyone's device and they work hand in hand with each other. I don't know if the phone by itself or the, um, the watch by itself can actually take away the advantages of Google and Apple that Facebook is trying to go after here. So that's my, you know, anyway, so here's the news. They launched it. I don't think this is going to work. Um, it's very hard to do this. Uh, Amazon had a very, very tough, difficult time. With, what was their phone that they launched that totally went down the, in a uh, blaze of nothing? I can't yeah, remember. anyways. I can't remember the name This of is it. a big yeah. deal. Making sure that you're not beholden to these other companies. Facebook is trying to figure it out. They Honestly, in my opinion, they have to figure it out. Because if they don't figure it out, they're going to be giving a big portion of their billions of dollars away to these two other companies. And they don't want to do that. And they're, they're trying to figure out a way around. And I don't know if they can. Yeah. So that's my take. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. I mean, you're you're echoing um, uh, someone you and I are both huge fans of, which is Professor Galloway, who says basically the Apple Watch is the second screen mm-hmm. for the phone. It's, it's, not, it's not its own device. It's you want to check your messages your phone, real quick. So. You need notifications. Yeah. Great. Which I totally yeah. agree with, by the way. It's like you would not buy the Apple Watch on its own. You would buy the Apple Watch only as an accessory for your for your mm-hmm. phone. Exactly. I agree um, with that. So, um, all right. So, uh, oh, by the way, it was Perfect Strangers. Oh, the name of my the, uh, goodness. That was on for quite a few years. Bronson, like yeah. Bronson Pinchot. Bronson Pinchot, yes. Or is it Pinchot? Yes, no, there I'm you just go. Kidding. It's Pinchot. It, it, yeah. It's, my name is Serge. <laughs> By the way, we I, I saw that. Uh, that he was he was in a, came to a Cleveland Broadway series. It was called Stones in His Pockets, and he was the lead character. May, he's a great he's actor. A great actor. Bronson Maybe Pinchot's one of really the worst plays I've ever yeah. seen. Stones in His Pockets. Oh, Don't go ouch. see it. But no, do watch right. In the Heights, which is out on HBO Max now. Um, because that's my favorite musical of all time, and I hope they don't destroy it with the movie adaptation. Okay, I'm done. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, my rave very quickly here is uh, the Netflix special uh, from Bo Burnham. Um, it, it's really hard for me to even put into words how much I love this and how important it is, I think, that every single content creator, content marketer, marketing person, any of us that create content across digital media is that you see this. Um, beyond the brilliance of the content itself, and it's not that funny. I'll be, I'm going to be honest with you. It's not. It's not terribly. I mean, there's some it's really funny Burnham stuff. It's not Bo Burnham back it. in the day. This is no. a different Bo no, Burnham. It yes. is. This is a very circumspect and very troubled uh, artist, and has so it's really social commentary more than anything else. Um, but it's brilliant. It's it's you can't. I'm going to have to go back and watch it multiple times to sort of, you know. I mean, it's one man in a room 
with some good equipment. Let's be honest. Yes. He's got the dough to forge some really nice equipment, but it's not much more than most of us who create content for a living have in our office. A couple of DSLR cameras, um, some webcams, some good microphones, Light, some lighting machines, uh, and that's yeah, some lighting machines, and you know, I mean, in one of the things he's using his iPhone as a lighting machine, which is phenomenal. I mean, you don't, you barely even notice it's phenomenal. It's, you just don't yeah. even notice it. It's just you know, and the way the whole thing sort of plays out, it picks up. It's so brilliant. If you saw his special back in 2015, 20, I think 2015, Make Happy. Which is, which which is, is amazing, brilliant, by the way. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it just picks right up where that left eye. The last scene of that is him walking into this empty room to sit down at the piano. And the first scene of this is him walking into that empty room and sitting down at the piano. It's, 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 it's absolutely stunning, the, this thing. And so I just wanted to give a huge shout out to it and, and encourage you all to go see it. Well, not go see it, but turn it on your Netflix and, and go and, and watch it. Cause it's, you know, it, what one man and some equipment can do is absolutely amazing. And, and the content is great. So yeah, couldn't, couldn't the rave content, about yeah, it The content is great. I think you're right with the social commentary. I didn't laugh a lot, but it made you think. Um, and I, every, after every song, but so basically if you don't know Bo Burnham, most of them are songs. He has some some he talks in between, but he he's a amazing performer, and generally has been funny. But a lot of this was just his take on society. And after everyone, Robert, I'm shaking my head and I'm like, I don't know how he did that. It was so, it's so brilliant from a creativity standpoint. When you look at he you know the layers of vocals, the lighting that he used, the different camera angles that he used, basically in his house. And I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, I'll never be that good. I can never do yeah. what he did. And of course, at the same time, you mentioned this. He he's going. He's he's got some mental issues that he's dealing with as well. It's a oh, he's definitely and he says it. And he some, talks some personal mental he health. Talks issues. About yeah, he talks about it. I mean, about he, it. I didn't realize until the end of this that he's he basically left uh, performing because of his panic attacks on stage. I did I didn't know that was yeah. a thing. I, all I remember was watching yeah. Make Happy. And it was great, and I was wondering when his next special was going to be out, and then here it is. So, uh, yeah, whatever it was, he spent 13 months or something producing this, and it's an hour and 20, hour and 30 minutes, something. But I cannot yeah. recommend it enough. Uh, <laughs> it's so, it's so good. Oh yeah, it's so I good. Mean, I mean, go. I mean, his. I mean, some of it's making its way onto YouTube now. Some of the clips and stuff, you know, like women on Instagram, and the Socko Internet the Socko song, puppet. and the Socko Puppet thing. Yeah. It's just. I mean, but I mean, I, I mean, like I could go on and on and on about the things that I loved. I mean, speaking of his mental health thing, the the, it's a subtle. It's so subtle, but as he goes through this you see his face become messier and messier and messier. And it's just, it, it's it, as a metaphor for where his brain is, as he, you know, he, he, he opens up, I'm not spoiling anything, I promise. He opens up by saying, I'm gonna spend the next three months of lockdown in this pandemic, and I'm gonna make this cool special. I'm really excited about it. And it takes, you know, spoiler alert, it takes him a year to do this. And it, it just, you just see his sort of, the 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 degradation of his uh, his mental thinking and his creativity as his room gets messier and messier and messier as he started doing all of this and it, it's which means by the way he planned it right that he he thought about that and and some of the things that are just so subtle that really just sort of sit in his metaphors for where his headspace is. It's mm -hmm. just, you just, you know, chef's kiss, right? It's just like, it's so hard to, as a content creator, you like hope for that sort of level of multiple layers and you just rarely achieve it. And it's just, it's, it's just the, so good. No, no, anyway, I know where you're going I, on, but I'm, the one, I know, gushing, but the one line on where it, he yeah. says, I don't know if I'm, I say, I think I'm close to being done with this project, but then part yeah. of me is, is if I'm done, then I can't wake up and do the project. So right. he was yeah. very torn <laughs> like, about that. Oh I mean, God. I think, I think yeah. we've all been there with some of our creative projects that we put content oh. projects, and you're like, I totally get that. I'm like, oh my god! And now what do I do? Like, I I can't. I have to find right. another project. So, anyways, great stuff. Yeah, highly recommend. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. 
All right, what are you up to this week? This weekend, yeah, on? I got some downtime with some friends, uh, so that'll be fun. We we do our um, annual summer gathering with uh, with some families. It'll be nice that you know to get together, being all vaccinated, which is incredible, and we're gonna have a really good time and uh, and and do that. And uh, and th- so that's basically what I'm doing this weekend. I don't know what, what are you doing. Anything fun? Uh, you know, no, <laughs> no, I'm uh, I mean, not. I'm yes, not doing fun, anything but fun. No, I'm not actually. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 work, 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 work for me right now. So, um, you know, it's it's uh, we just finished Content Tech. That was oh, this yes. week. Congratulations! Um, Very good. And so, yeah, thank you. Um, so that's done uh, and in the can. But um, now I start turning my attention to all the client work that I have, and and, and I'm working on I'm working on a new class. I'm working on a new class, which I'm really kind of excited about, which is a uh, marketing strategy class Um, and a marketing strategy class for especially for those who don't come from a marketing education background. So how do you write and create a marketing strategy? Um, So it's a 10 module class that I'm working on, and I'm hopeful to be done with that within the next month and uh figure out then how to make it available as a as a thing so i'm 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 working on that plus client work so i'm busy 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 as the guy in frosty the snowman says excellent sir um all right well that is it ladies and gentlemen we are signing off uh if you want to get all the goodness and it is goodness let's be honest with you you know you hung out this long you're in you're kind of in uh you want this podcast show notes dive into any of the other 274 episodes, head on over to our wonderful website. Get on over there to our wonderful website at thisoldmarketing.site. Uh, we want to thank the good folks at Radix, by the way, for powering our .site, thisoldmarketing.site. And if you want your own .site domain, you get over there and get yourself one. Remember, folks, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. going to see you next week on This Old Marketing.